How is everyone doing today? I don't know. No one is here except for Theo <laughs> and the amazing, legendary co-host of the Into the Waves podcast, Mr. Roberto Carlos Paredes, is joining us here for the 26th time. How are you doing, sir, today? Oh, very wonderful time, Samuel. We have, yes, we have uh, our guests at the living room. I feel like I feel like man, time sometimes just flies by so quick. I feel like we were just recording episode twenty-five, and now we're back here. But hey, man, it's great to have you here. Welcome. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. We still kind of like celebrating our twenty-fifth uh, episode. We and grind. We keep pushing. We yeah, keep working. We want to thank you all, you guys, for uh, keep listening and really being support, especially you know the ones that pray for us. We continue here and. That's our desire. Really I wonder if anyone prays for us. You guys let us know whether you guys do or don't. Because, hey, who knows? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. If you do, like he said, we are grateful for you. Yes, we are. And even if you don't, we're still grateful for you. We love you guys. And that's what matters. But how's your week been so far, man? You've been, you've been done, done anything crazy? Anything cool? You know, I've been um, kind of fun. Yeah, kind of, um, well, Fun, a lot of fun, yes. I'm preparing to take some time off nice. next week. Gonna be gone a few dates. Gonna have a, a like or vacation with my wife. Gonna Little summer vacation. Yeah, gonna summer vacation, spend time together, spend time as a couple. What uh, you guys doing? We trying to go to uh, to Hawaii. And uh, Hawaii. Yes, Hawaii. Hawaii is how the uh, <laughs> natives would pronounce it. So we're trying to plan in just this, you know, a little visit, small trip. And uh, Have you ever been to Hawaii? No, that's my first time. Mm, interesting. Beginning. I've never been either. No, yeah. I'm over here making it seem like I've been. No, I've I'm never been. kind of like preparing myself to have a lot of pineapple, a lot of coconut. Do you swim? Are you, do you like swimming? Yeah, yeah. So you're going to... Hopefully I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dive in into the waves. Yeah, <laughs> it would, it wouldn't be fair if you didn't. No, man. no, it no, would no. be like unrealistic. It'd be because when I went camping a couple of weeks ago, I was, we were literally in the waves, so you were in, in the, the rapids. Yeah, remember I was sharing we were yeah. whitewater rafting, so quite literally in the waves. So I mean. If if he doesn't, if you guys don't follow him on social media, maybe you guys gotta follow him. Maybe he'll be posting some, some swimming videos on your Instagram or R something like R T Paredes. There you go. At um, what Instagram? Yeah, R T Paredes. Yeah, R T Paredes. That's you can find me there. There you guys go. Go follow him. See if he posts anything from his Hawaii <laughs> trip. But yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I see you. Anything else besides that that you got planned? Or you know, I've been uh, working on my um, Manada del Cielo. I'm going to uh, do a series on the uh, book of Psalms. I'm preparing. Um, I've learned from you, as a matter of fact, to work on seasons. Mm. So I'm preparing myself to do a season on, on the book of Psalms. So what is Mana del Cielo? Mana del Cielo is, is a blog that I created um, three years ago. I started um, doing a lot of writings as a you know blog. And then I, I turned it into a like um, 
a video, a, a daily devotional, pretty much what it is. Cool. Um, is it like a website or is it well, like we social have a media? Website. Yeah, we, yeah we have a w- our website that is uh, mimanadelcielo.com. That's our website. That's, you know, where I host my blogs. A lot of, you can find a lot of things there. And from there, we move to the social media. We are in the Facebook, Instagram, and we send a daily devotional via text and also in social media. So we, we do it in Spanish and we translate it mm. into English. So we That's have cool. a lot of, yeah, we have a lot of people, especially from uh, Latin America, Mexico, Colombia, that they follow us on Facebook. One of the systems that you have within your, um, that same brand or company, yeah, it's a company, I guess you could call it, your uh, SMS system that you've incorporated via text message, like your, what is it? Your daily bread? It's like a segment within your... It's what they call el alimento diario. It's your daily, daily bread, bread. Yes. yeah. Yes. But that's like an SMS-based system, right? Where yes. you can subscribe to be in that? like, Or how does that work? I mean, if you want to receive that every day, just uh, send me an inbox, what they call... <laughs> On the website or where? Well, you can do it or in the like website. DM. Yeah, you can do it in the website. Or, you know, like you said, DM, like inbox. I'm kind of getting used to it. So, yeah, I send it every day. It's like a small devotional. Yeah. You receive it, right? Yeah, I receive yeah. it. That's what I'm saying. Maybe our listeners yeah. might be interested in getting that made available to them because it goes straight into your, to your text, phone. Messages. Yes, text messages. Yeah, so people might be interested in that. Yeah. So what do they do? Is there like, do they text a specific code or like how Not does yet. it work? No, okay, it's okay. just more personal. I mean, if you, you know, give me your number, I put it in my contacts and then I put Got it in it. the group. And then every day is said now. It. So I'm working maybe in the future. I'm, you know, somebody that can help me to probably build an app and nice. send like, uh, you know, push notifications. We're looking to hire a lot of positions here at the Waves Media Company, as you guys can tell. Honestly, this is actually a really interesting subject that we're bringing up because we're, we're planning for a lot of different upcoming strategies. And obviously we made it to 25 episodes, which is a good, good start, but. We're just getting started here, guys, yeah. and the reality it's is warming that up. this is a business, this is a company, so if you guys ever feel maybe like you're interested in the space of producing content, specifically producing podcasts, recording podcasts, distributing, um, marketing, any of those facets of whether it be even if you're a designer, if you're a graphic designer, positions like that, we are actively looking for new members to always be added into our team, added into the different functionalities that we might have. We are based in the Bay Area, but are open to if there's anyone interested in working remote and things like that. Obviously, with the pandemic, we've learned pretty much how to get handy on Zoom. So we'll make it work for whoever is interested. Oh, definitely, yeah. We're just looking... For maybe, you know, some of our, fa- our our listeners here who might be from different facets of, you know, different businesses and different industries. In this case, um, my co-host and I, our backgrounds are mainly within content creation world, specifically much, as yeah. audio engineer, myself, um, working in ministry vocationally. You're a full-time vocational yes. ministry. So our, our backgrounds are not necessarily in marketing or business and analytics, but if you're inclined in that area and you guys want to be a part of the team, send your resumes to us. Again, contact us, somoswaves at gmail.com. That's where you can submit any information or inquiries if you're interested in joining the team. We are looking for positions, so hit us up. 
we're always looking for, for maybe, new recruits. Maybe any ideas or you know tips that you can give us. Whatever you guys have, you know, any direction, we are open. To we're open. We're here. It. We're yeah. creating. We're. This is all a collective effort. What they call a uh, crowdfunded effort or crowdsourced, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, that that's a little bit on the business side, as you guys can tell. We're not we're not too good at that, but. That's awesome. It's good to hear that you're going to be taking a little vacation soon, man. I need be, it. I need it. It'll be exciting. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll see what happens. I think I'm going to be on dog duty, so that'll be extremely fun. <laughs> this guy's over here knocked out. Literally, he's just chilling. Who you who, who are you going to take care of it? Mr. Tio right here? Of course. Apparently, he's sick, so you guys got to pray for him. Yeah, that's, that's why he is here in the living room. He's not feeling too well, guys. Little young Theo is under the weather. He's our local resident mascot here at the uh, the Wave Studio, Studio 123. He's the Studio 123 mascot. Luna is the, uh, is the main studio mascot. But that's a whole other thing for a separate conversation, but... So how'd you, uh, what about you? How'd your summer been uh, going? It's been good. Been busy? Pretty busy, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different things going on, always at different times. I like to stay busy, so that's always good. But specifically, you know, churches during the summer tend to organize events for mm. the community, okay. mainly designed for engaging. And so we've been really doing a lot of that every Wednesday throughout the summer over there at our church. But it's kind of different because this is your first year and they contact so right in, the, uh, uh, in the, the church that you're going. Correct. Echo Church. But before that, it was more in the, uh, the Latino uh, environment. It just depends. Like, I'd so say kind of different, or yeah, it's one hundred percent different because the focus and the approach to doing ministry is okay. a lot different when you're talking about different contexts. But I think it it has a lot of to do with a lot of different factors as mm -hmm. to why the church is different. That's not like the sole factor. But yeah, it's been really really good on those Wednesday nights to be able to hang out, spend time you know, build that community of people that we typically, when we only see them, we hang out on Sundays and you show up yeah. for a service. Maybe you hang out in the lobby for a little bit, spend some time going to the service. You go, you leave, you know, you're not spending much time there. But on Wednesdays, really, it's been cool because we get the unique opportunity of it's been a different theme every week. So we've called it 12 weeks of summer. So I've been pretty busy with that, um, staying fun, staying happy and engaged in that process. Obviously, it has been really cool. We had Super Soaker uh, week last week, this week, literally just yesterday, we had our monthly worship night. and It was really, really, really powerful got to be there with a lot of different ministries we had uh, two guys join us from salinas from over there shout out the encounter church wow. shout out brother isaac shout out brother pedro if you guys are listening to this maybe maybe not um but then we had a couple we had a singer a pastor from the father's house in oakland oh, wow. who came down and led worship okay. pastor lena amazing really really anointed and of course we had our our resident team a couple of our of our crew there obviously the amazing uh, worship leader that is at Sunnyvale campus, but also from Fremont campus. Okay. They were both there. So Brianna and Caleb, they were both there. And then it was amazing. So it was just a great, great night yesterday with the team, getting to hang out, spending, you know, like I mentioned, mainly that time in community, getting to just get to bond with people that you typically don't get time to hang out with them or to have conversations. Wednesdays are a little bit more intentional because you get to kind of focus on that. Yeah. Any good testimonies about the students or the camping? Any feedbacks? Yeah, I mean, I haven't... I mean, again, you spend the whole I week. I was there the, with them for a whole yeah. week, but 
those students that I went to camp with, they are from a different campus than okay. what I'm currently located at. And so none of the students so from really my campus, like I don't really. get to see okay. them that often oh, anymore. Okay. It was just the, the week yeah, that I yeah, was yeah. at camp. Um, but a couple of them texting, you know, DM, shout out the crew from Echo Students. Love you guys, man. You guys are the best. But yeah, it's it's been a great, great summer getting to do different things. But more than anything, I'd say it's been a really... A summer for growth, man. Mm. That's kind of been the biggest thing. I've been currently, you guys have never physically seen me in person unless you guys know me, but I've been trying to bulk up a little bit. So, you know, it's been a lot of working out throughout the summer, a lot of eating, a lot of a lot of eating because I've realized that as someone who's naturally skinnier, bulking is the only way to get bigger, but man, it's hard to eat calories. It's hard to throw down I'm talking about, you guys might be like, oh, it's easy to eat. But I mean, we're talking about like 3,000 calories here a day. Maybe some of you guys are like, oh, you're weak, bro. You're a chump. Eat your protein. Get big. I'm like, yeah, that's my current plan. But it's harder than it seems. So it's that, a lot harder. So, so you're the type of guy that know, uh, kind of like, like, let's say, for example, the calories. You really measure how many calories or kind of like you really... It's a yes and a no. I don't measure calories per se, but I do try and overall like the concept of calories in versus calories out. So I try to ensure that the amount of calories that I'm eating mm -hmm. outweighs the amount of calories that I've burned. Okay. But specifically within certain kind of like buckets. So there's obviously within food and within health, it's broken down into both macronutrients and micronutrients. Okay. So macronutrients are consisting of your proteins, your carbohydrates, and your fats. And micronutrients can be anything from vitamins, um, amino acids, different things, not amino acids, sorry. Mainly vitamins is kind of the concept with micronutrients, those like things that you get in very small percentages from food. But mainly I look at my macros and I ensure that as long as my protein that I'm hitting on a day-to-day -day basis is about one and a half times my body weight in grams. So let's say in this case, I weigh 170 pounds. So multiply 170 times 1.5. And that's how many grams of protein I try mm. to eat wow. a day. <laughs> so it's not really more like tracking, but like let's say I go to Chipotle and I know that a bowl has, I don't know, maybe 40 50 grams well, we of went the other day. Yeah. That's, that's kind of like uh, so asking you. I was at Chipotle and I was like, all right, I know that this meal is going to have a certain amount of macronutrients to okay. it. So I, I know that that's just like a drop in the bucket because if I'm trying to hit a certain amount of protein mm -hmm. and I'm trying to nail that number of grams, one Chipotle salad is not going to nail it for you, mm. obviously, because 50 grams On average, if you multiply 170 by 1.5, I'm too lazy to do it right now, but it's like 260 grams of protein on average per day. So if a bowl has 50, you can eat five bowls in a day, and that gets you close to wow. your goal. You see what I'm That's saying? Five bowls are a lot. That's a lot of food. Now, you also consider the time that you have, uh, let's say, your dinner, the time you have a lunch, also you consider that? Some people do. I don't personally because okay. sometimes there's days where like, I like to, I, I mean, I don't like to. It's kind of just part of the lifestyle that I've developed. I'll do what's known as like, it's bad when you're bulking. So don't, if you're bulking, don't do this. But like, I'll work out on an empty stomach mm. just because it's the first thing that I do okay. in the morning and I don't want to eat and yeah. then go work out because I feel, feel sluggish. Yeah. I'm going to feel like, I'm too lazy to yeah. work out. So, when the, so I work, I wake up in the morning 
and I go work out. Like that's the first thing that I do, and then I'll eat after. Oh, so I don't really care okay. too much about the timing of when I eat. I just try and make sure that I throughout the day yeah. I've eaten enough, enough to ensure to, yeah. that I'm hitting my goals. So it's it's more of like I don't have a diet. If people ask me, do you have a diet? No, I don't have a diet. I just need to eat a certain amount if I want to meet my goals. That's it. So that's kind of been what I've been using the summer for. It's been a summer of grinding, a summer of just pouring in. And uh, the ministry hasn't really been too, too active right now with students just because I'm not in the same context of leading worship every week. But Mm -hmm. by the end of this month, we'll be back. It's back to school month this month, August. Maybe some of you guys are students. You guys are upset that I'm bringing that up. <laughs> you guys are like, shut up. No one wants to hear about back to school. But it is back to school month. So, Well, for us, it's August is a big month. Yeah, it is for us, but <laughs> don't. no one needs to know why that's a big month. But anyways, We're just going to leave it like that. Okay? We'll just leave it like that. There's a lot of events going on yeah. in August per se. But anyways, I mean, I think I'm ready to hop in today to the waves. I'm feeling fresh. I'm feeling ready to, to dive in into well, the ways how you feeling man oh i'm really every time you know um, we're recording for me it, it's like uh, it's an honor it's a privilege and especially i'm very excited because it's the word of god it's our companion and being with companion with the word of god is the best the best companion we can ever have so yes we really kind of like um i'm ready i'm ready to dive in Especially because we're still on the topic of some of the most influential pieces of scripture of all time, obviously in this series of the Bible as a companion, but specifically the scriptures that we're touching in today, man, I mean, I don't know, you're a pastor, you've been preaching for over, how many years have you been preaching, preaching? I I think preaching, I'll say... um 20 years. 20 years? Yes. From the from the pulpit. I, I remember my uh, my first time I had to preach. Mm. It was I a, think a, it might be fitting for you to share the first time it, you had it to was, preach. It was uh, it was it was a youth service. It was on Saturday. How many people? Uh well during that time we used to have like um like fifty, around fifty youth. Mike, no mic. No, with everything. So full with PA system, full PA, 50 praise people. Praise and worship. Um, you were the speaker of the night and or I was the speaker of the night. Nice. It's a matter of fact, I had a brother that he recorded that night for me. How old were you? I was young. Let me see. Um, maybe 20, 29, I believe. 29? Yeah, 29. Nice. Yeah. About to be 30. Yeah. And um, I, I even I remember the, uh, the title of the message that I preached that night. It was about not letting your emotions control you. Hmm. That was my title <laughs> of the message. That's a pretty weak title. Well, I mean... It's your your a, first a, sermon, we could tell you didn't know how to make good titles back see. then or catchy <laughs> titles. Don't let your emotions control you. Yeah, could you imagine myself, so you like, know, like, we, we were like 50 and guys and, and, you know, my title of the message, do not let your emotion control you and let's go. You had probably <laughs> heard some old T.D. Jakes tapes or some old Rod Parsley and you were like, I'm trying to be like those guys. Yeah, I'll be, be honest because that's one of the first things kind of like when you have that opportunity. But um, And from there... So you've been preaching ever since then. Ever since then, That's crazy because it's funny, you know, because the scripture that we're going to be talking about today 
in your opinion, as a preacher with over 20 years of experience, how many times have you preached on this passage of Scripture? A few times. Um, so you'd say it's pretty popular? It's, it, 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 this, what we're going to read, is very, very popular. Extremely? Yeah. Oh, yes. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. One of the things that everybody knows about this passage. So oh. for those of you guys who might be like, huh, what passage are they reading? We're, no, no, no. We're sticking in the New Testament, guys, today. Obviously, if you guys were here for, you listened to last week's episode, episode 25. If not, you got what are you doing? You guys should be listening to it. But that episode was called, What's Your Favorite Fruit? So you guys should go check that out because we were talking about fruits and what, what our favorite fruits are. So if you're interested in that, no, I'm just kidding. We were talking about Hebrews 12. So obviously New Testament scripture is kind of what we're diving into. But for the last five of these episodes that we're kind of diving mm -hmm. in to close off our series, we're going into, yes, we're in the series of the Bible as a companion, but we're kind of going to dive in a little bit now into this later half of it. To analyze specifically the reason why we're in the portion of the Bible that is called the Gospels. This, that's what we're choosing to explore. Um, specifically because within the Gospels, it's contained the entire ministry of the number one, the greatest of all time, the number one MVP, literally my favorite person in the entire world. Jesus Christ. It's his story. That's what the gospels are. If you want to, we've talked about this word gospel before, but essentially these, it's four books that comprise the gospel. So it's Matthew, John, Luke, Mark, and Luke. Yeah. That, that, so it's four guys who were all part of the disciples. It was four of Jesus' closest companions. And so these writings that we're, we're going to be breaking into today in the book of Matthew is specifically the Matthew became an apostle eventually later on in his life, correct? Yes, correct, yes. So this is the Apostle Matthew writing, and essentially the way you can think about it is the personal diary of someone who was hanging out with Jesus yes. while he was executing his ministry. That's the or And so basically this is Matthew, things that Jesus told him, literally like hanging out one day while they were eating fish. Oh, and, he saw it. Or He's, he physically yes. saw it. Yeah. Like this is literally one-on-one -on -one personal accounts and for that reason um maybe you scrolled through the new testament before and found these little sections where the the letters mm. are red yeah and you guys are probably like what what why why did the colors change all of a sudden some bibles don't change color like i'm looking at my guy's bible right here and his doesn't change color does it do anything special to indicate it or it doesn't no uh, there, there it? is some uh, um it like depends. little parentheses it, or yeah, nothing? Yeah, no, it, it depends the publisher. Right. Some publisher, they will have it in red, like the one you have. And let's say I have the Amplified Bible and it's, you don't see it in red. So the reason why we bring up this concept of the red text is because the red text in Bibles, and mm -hmm. depending on what translation you're choosing to use, is only used specifically when the words of Jesus yes. are being written down yes. so anytime you see red text you're literally getting to hear quotes word for word things that came out of the mouth of yes. jesus that's pretty insane yeah. don't, don't you think that's pretty crazy that's why, that's why it is it's red yeah so it looked like a highlight yeah that he was saying those things and i think it's funny or not funny but i think it's cool that they made it red <laughs> just to coincide you know with the blood of jesus obviously yeah, 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 yeah. they're they're intentional with that but it, it's really cool because in these next couple episodes 
we're discovering the Bible as a companion. That's what we did for the first kind of half of the season. Um, a lot of Old Testament scriptures, we read the Psalms, we yeah. read different things of, you know, David describing it. But now we're choosing to really kind of zoom in a little bit here and take it deeper. Not only the Bible as a companion, but here we get to literally... It's essentially as if Matthew back in the day would have been holding an iPhone and had popped on Instagram, took a picture of Jesus, or recorded a video of him sharing his sermon. Yeah. Or if maybe Luke went on Twitter and was like, hey, Jesus said this today while we were hanging out at lunch. <laughs> like, that's literally when you see red text, yeah. that's what you get. You get Jesus and as close as we can get to him Yeah. here in an earthly form right here in this book because it's the words that directly came out of his mouth. And so today we're specifically exploring, funny that you bring up your first time preaching because this that we're going to read today, Matthew chapter 5, it's called Introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. It is historically known as the first sermon yeah. that Jesus ever preached. Yeah, I wonder what his title was. He We'll talk well, about it right now because right he had a there. much cooler title than what <laughs> than what my boy over here had, and that's the beatitude. What about your first uh, message? When do you, when you preach it? My first when, message, I also was, preached what was it. Your title? I preached it at a youth service. Yeah, um, I'm kind of blanking on the title right now as to what it was. Let me see if I can try and pull it up. But to the point, I was. You still have in it? YouTube. Oh yeah, I still have it. I was in... In the Google Docs or what? Absolutely. Did I was, you imagine you have <laughs> a Google Docs and everything? Yeah. But then we didn't have no Google Docs. You don't have no Google Docs? No, 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 no. You have to really get your pen and your Bible and start writing with your penmanship. Sounds kind of whack. Yeah. Now, these days, you have all technology. And it's, look, at after how many years you have it there? Oh, and, yeah. This was my first sermon. Yeah. Got it? You found it? All right. Funny that, that you guys are going to be able to be like, oh, snap, this guy's been teaching the same thing for a while. Let me see the dates on these. Oh, snap. What One of the things that they recommend, uh, well, uh, that you put the uh, the date when you I have the date it. here. You have it? Yeah. Okay. So my first sermon that I ever preached was called Testing the Obadiahs. Wow. <laughs> hey, that's deep, man. Wow. I, was over there, wow, wow, wow. I was over there swinging for some stuff, man, whatever these... Testing the Obadiahs, that's some Old Testament prophet Elijah type stuff that it's crazy because those are the, um, it says right here, the date that I have is February 4th, 2017. That's ah. the date. Hmm. How many years back? Oh, sorry. No. August, no. August 6th, 2018. Wow. That's when I, when I preached my first sermon. August 6th, 2018. Today is August... Fourth. Fourth. Oh, oh, snap. Almost. <laughs> what a coincidence. That's crazy. And, and this is not being programmed, right? Yeah, we this is all talk, live. This no, this is, is all live. live. This is this off is the bat. That's why it took right me there. it took me forever to find it. Yeah. But yeah, testing the Obadiahs was my first. Let, let, let us know. Maybe you guys, you know, are preachers, you know, let I us know. You know, some when, of, one of our listeners for huh? sure was there when I preached my first message, Royce. Oh, Royce. Hey, hello, hey. Royce. Royce was for sure there yeah. when I, we'll, we'll see if you guys want to see whether Sam is a good preacher go ask Royce probably <laughs> we'll see what he says probably not but yeah 
That's what we're we're currently today gonna dive into Jesus's first his first man. sermon. And mm. honestly, guys, wow. it's a banger. Let's just be real. Like he's Jesus. That's of course, good. he was gonna have a good one. You know, his best one that he ever treats. Mm. But it's funny because this is one of the most widely regarded contexts of scripture. It's one of the most quoted one of the most recited but it was jesus's first message yeah. so so that really kind of touches on two things that i kind of want to break into first and that's everything that led leading up to the moment where jesus first preached his message we're going to read first verse one of matthew chapter five verse one it says now when jesus saw the crowds he went up on a mountainside and sat down his disciples came to him and he began to teach to them interesting here, you guys are kind of, it's in this literary concept, uh, if you've ever studied, it's called in media res. We're kind of thrusted into the action in the middle of it. It says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, why was there a crowd there? Who knows? It says, he went up on a mountainside. What mountain? Who knows, right? It says that there was people there, his disciples. Who are his disciples? We don't know up until this point, right? Because it's barely Matthew chapter 5. If you go and you read Matthew chapter 1, all it is is a giant list of basically Jesus' descendants. Then if you read Matthew chapter 2, it's this story that you've for sure heard at Christmas time and about this king, King Herod, who was trying to kill all the babies and this depiction of this three wise men visiting baby Jesus and visiting Mary. You guys have heard it at Christmas, so you guys don't need to hear all that. So the movie, the... um what they call the dramas? Bethlehem AD. Bethlehem. I don't know what y'all have. Hey, you know about Bethlehem? We have a Bethlehem here in Redwood City. We do have one. Oh, it's that's, pretty fire. That's, that's a very famous one. Shout out Rise City, yes. local Bay Area church, Redwood City. Every year. They Every year they it. produce yeah. like a, a what is called a nativity scene. Yeah. A, that's what a lot of churches have. They have the nativity play. Any denomination you go to, Christmas time for church, popping. Uh, I'm kind of right now, I'm just kind of like thinking that'd be, you know, be nice if we can be able to record, you know, in that area, you know, telling the, the, the audience this <laughs> what's going guy. on. He wants to record How live, about, you know, Be- oh, yeah. Into the Waves Live, Bethlehem AD collaboration. Bring that in 2022 into the Bethlehem. <laughs> <laughs> deep, the story behind everything. Yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. But no, this is not that. We're not talking about Matthew 1. We're not talking about Matthew 2. We'll, we'll take a moment to talk about Matthew 3, actually, for a mm. second before we get into Matthew okay. 5. And that's Jesus' cousin. Now, why does Jesus' cousin matter to us, our local pastor, Pastor Robert? Who was John the Baptist and why is he important to this story? Well, John the Baptist, remember that he was uh, the preparing the way for uh, Jesus' uh, appearance, if we're going to say, in the context of the religious system. Just and the maybe, people. For, sorry, for yeah. listeners who haven't heard it, what was the main, literally, word for word, John was describing how he was preparing the way. You remember? It's in his name, John the Baptist. John the Baptist, Why? Yes. Yeah. Why was it? Because he, he, one of the main things that he, he used, he, his role, he was baptizing people in the Jordan River. Mm-hmm. So that, if you guys have probably gone to your church your little baptismal pool where the pastor says cover your nose and that was that john was, that was yeah. john the, his was ministry doing, yeah, yeah. yeah he was doing in the in the jordan river 
Basically, it was a collaboration ministry, we could say. Yeah, because he had, he, he had his, his disciples too. John had a lot of disciples. Yes, and lot. later on in the Gospels, there's even stories of Jesus' disciples interacting with yes. John's disciples, like yes. kind of the crew mm -hmm. of them all hanging out. But it's important to note that John's ministry was taking place prior to the start of Jesus' yes. ministry. It says that Jesus lived to be 33 years old, but his ministry did not take place until he had an encounter with his cousin John yeah. the Baptist. And that was when he was 30 years old. And that encounter that happened with John the Baptist is extremely important. And the reason why we're taking a little bit of time to break it down is because the nature of what John the Baptist was preaching, he was saying, there is going to come another one. Mm, there yeah. will come one after me. Although I baptize you guys with water, he will baptize you with fire. In other words, what John was doing is he was preaching of the second coming of the Messiah, of Christ. Something that is, might sound controversial. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you haven't. And especially if you're a Jewish person, this is extremely controversial for you. Because they were speculating within Hebrew faith at the time. Because remember, there was no Christians back then no. when Jesus was first When Jesus was 27 years old, when he was 30, when he was 31, there was no Christians. So there was Jews. That was the prominent faith to the point where Jesus, when he was on the cross, they labeled him Inri, the king of the Jews. And because of that was his faith. He was a Hebrew man from the Middle East who practiced Judaism, the reading of the Torah, not the Torah, sorry. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the, Torah, yeah, the Torah, the Pentateuch, the, the, Pentateuch, yes. the scriptures the, of the, the prophets, the Old Testament, the prophets. Uh. And so that was the context. And so John was preaching to Jews and he was uh, telling them that there will be someone who's going to come who is our promised savior because this is the context of the Jewish people. They were an oppressed people. As we heard the story of mm -hmm. Moses yeah. and the story of Egypt, yes. Israel has always been kind of under the foot of pressure by yeah. everyone. You don't even have to go too far back in history. Just recently, not recently, but just in the past 100 years, World War II took place in which, again, the group of Israel and the nation of Israel was severely targeted So imagine that same level of persecution taking place, but from the Roman Empire. The Roman, yes. As opposed to the German Empire. But it's the same context that was happening. And so then comes this guy, right? This son of Joseph and Mary, born in a city called Bethlehem. And he meets with his cousin at a river, river called Jordan, as Pastor Robert explained to us. But something crazy happens in that encounter. What John was speaking of actually happened. Can you, can you kind of break that down for the listeners maybe who haven't heard of the story of what happened at Jesus' baptism? Maybe in a, because it was very crazy, guys. It was crazy what happened there. Literally, it says that heaven opened up. So, so what does that mean? Break it down for us, Pastor, in a, in a very easy to understand way. Well, remember that, jo, that John the Baptist, he was baptizing people. That was kind of like, in his message, he was saying, repent. It was even, I have it in my Bible, so right here, that in saying repent, think different, change your mind, regretting your sins, and changing your conduct. So he was, he, that was his message, repent, repent, repent. But he was waiting that one day Jesus would come. So when, when he saw Jesus coming, he said, right there is the Lamb of God. And he told them, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Because what happened in that encounter 
Well, tell us what happened. What did Jesus do? Because Jesus need to be baptized. Because that was, he was showing also us that he was need to be baptized. Exactly. But John said, hey, no, I need to be baptized. Because John knew who was Jesus. Correct. And he said, it is the Lamb of God. So when Jesus got baptized by John, that's when you're talking about something happened. It says that the heavens, a voice came down and said, this is my beloved son who I'm pleased. My beloved what? My beloved son. My beloved what? Son. There it is. Yes, so God. there we, we are introduced in the baptism of Jesus mm -hmm. to the relationship of Jesus as the literal son of God, which yes. was quite frankly the thing that got him killed, guys. Let's be real. To the Romans, that's the number one thing that mainly was pissing them off, that Jesus was going around saying, guys, I'm the son of God. They were all like, what? Because that, you? that title, it was not common no. those days. Because think about it for a second here this way. You exist as a Roman, mm -hmm. and you grow up listening of Jupiter, of um, Hera, of, in this case, Neptune, the Roman gods, people that control forces of nature, The, you, the depiction of Jupiter, the equivalent is Zeus. Maybe you don't know mm -hmm. who Jupiter is, but the Romans, they w had different names for their gods. And so then there's this guy walking around saying, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a son of the gods. And so then all these Roman people are like, bro, we've never even heard of you. Who are you? Which, with, which myth are you from? Yeah. The, this is not a myth. This no. was a guy that yeah. you could go up to him and you could poke him and you could touch him. You could feel him. And he was going around saying that he was the son of God. So you could kind of see where the conflict is heading, right? That there was complete opposition to his message that Jesus was trying to carry. And all of that is kind of what kicked off his ministry. He was thrusted into this conflict. Yeah. And also because there were religious people around uh, uh on the river Jordan, what they call the Pharisees, the Sadducees. The Jews, which was yes. what I was explaining, yes. that there was so no there was the Christians no. that existed. But there they was were only the, Jews. The religious uh, system. Correct. Jews that practiced the law, Jews that mm -hmm. were living their life under the, dicta the dictates that had been put in place by the patriarch of the faith, Moses. So they were essentially, mm -hmm. if you guys have seen the Ten Commandments, read the Ten Commandments, in addition to the Ten Commandments, there are 52 other instructions in which they believed and they were able to create a system of faith in which they were persecuting other people who oppose that system of faith. So think about it this way. There's a lot of different religions existing at the time. There's Roman people who worship Roman gods. There's Greeks worshiping Greek gods. Yeah, yeah. There's Jews worshiping Jehovah. There's different people. And then now all of a sudden, this individual steps into the scene and says, oh, by the way, yeah, that whole system that you guys created It's good because I'm a rabbi. I, I, I believe what you guys are believing, but I also think something else, and that's that I'm the son of God and that you guys should follow me, believe in me, but specifically believe in me and follow me in what? That's what we're going to break down today. That's, that's what we're going to talk about. Yes. What was the message that Jesus carried? What it, 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 You guys listening to this podcast all may or may not identify as Christians. If you haven't, mm. 
then we absolutely invite you guys to, if that's a step that you're interested in making and curious about it, feel free to reach out to us, reach out to a friend, reach out to a local church, get plugged into somewhere where you can meet who that is. But today, we are going to take some time and in these next couple episodes, truly exploring what was it that Jesus came down to share with us as as people. Why, why is it that someone who labeled themselves as the son of God, if if you're the son of God, don't you think that you'd always be in heaven? Right? That makes sense. But it says that the son of God was existing here on earth. And here we're going to discover why. And we're going to be using Matthew chapter 5 for the rest of this season because it is described as the Sermon on the Mount, as I mentioned earlier. And this is Jesus's first sermon. But not only is it the Sermon on the Mount, it it also holds certain concepts and certain truths that are reoccurring themes throughout Jesus's ministry. Remember I mentioned that there's this thing, these concepts known as the Gospels. Well, there's certain overlap in certain Gospels where Matthew says the same thing that Luke said. Luke says the same thing that John says. So there's these overlaps in where specifically Matthew chapter 5, this scripture of passage, overlaps directly with Luke chapter 6. And so the fact that, in my opinion, the fact that there's these two portions of scripture in two different gospels where the same message is recounted, I think that it's pretty important. You know, like you as a pastor, someone, like let's say you really enjoyed a sermon that you wrote that you're like, man, I feel like I received this straight from God. I got loaded up. Do you only preach that once? Oh, no. No, definitely. How many it's, times it, have you probably preached the sermon max? Like, how many times have you not reused it, but like shared it with different groups of people? I think it has to do a lot the place and the people you are. But one of your sermons, I'm saying. Oh, I I, uh, I have many sermons that I have not just preached in our, our local church. I have, you know, the same message to preach it in, in other uh, churches, even mm. in other countries. Mm. And uh, The same exact sermon, yeah. yeah. But sometimes it's kind of like different. A little it, bit different. Yeah, of course, it's, it's, obviously, it's, yeah. It, I mean, it's something different. It's, Matthew's words aren't the same as Luke's. No. They're no, slightly different, different, but like it's... Different, yeah. you know, let's say different flavor. What they say, tomato, tomato. It's yeah. the same type of concept. And so that's what we're breaking down today. This, this, And we're going to use it for the next couple episodes. Matthew chapter 5 and its mm-hmm. importance specifically for this concept. And that's that we're reading red letter text. We're in the red, guys. That's that's where we're currently going to be sitting in for a little bit of time. And so let's just go ahead and break that down. We're going to break it open to what Jesus were the first words, the first sermons that that he sat down on a mountainside. Like when, when over here, Pastor Roberto had his microphone in front of 50 students or 50 young people. This was Jesus's first sermon. And this is how he opens it up. He says, Blessed, I'm reading Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom 
of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. <laughs> what a first message Message of Jesus, huh? This is only 12 lines in. <laughs> the, 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 we're going to get into it in the rest of these couple episodes, oh but Matthew God. chapter 5 is, a, is yeah, pretty yeah. lengthy as, to far, as far as what he describes. But here, you know, I love the way it's um, in Spanish when I grew up hearing the scripture because I grew up in, in a Latino church. It's, they call it las bienaventuranzas. It's such a beautiful, yeah. like, it, you very, never hear that word. Very rich. You never hear that word. No. It's not a common. It's not. You ask yourself, when have you ever heard someone use the word beatitude? You never hear it except for in this context. Mm -hmm. But like, check it out. The word bienaventuranza, like it, it's like a good journey. The, the nature of the word bien and aventuranza, aventura. That's the root of it. It's the two words are a good adventure. That 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 right there is already something. Now, now, that, now you got me excited because that speaks to me. Yeah, because when you read it, it's kind of like, wow, that's a lot of things that I kind of like, you know. But I like the way you put it. It's una buena aventura because it's a journey. Yes. That that because but we're gonna break it down a little bit here, verse by verse, because some of these are harder to understand than others. I, I'd say some are very easy, just not easy in the sense of what it means, but like when you read this, right? Um, When you read someone who says, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy, that makes sense, right? That's one yeah. plus one equals two. Even if you're not a Christian, if you're a good person, you a moral person, you can guide yourself by these types of principles. Yes. If you are merciful, people will show mercy to you. That That's a common concept, right? That's Matthew chapter five, verse seven for you. If you guys ever want to use that in your day-to-day -day life, that's a practical application that you can use. That's good. But then there's other ones where it says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. When I read that, I'm like, first of all, what does meek even mean? Because mm -hmm. I'm like, bro, that's an old English word. But then I'm like, okay, meek, apparently when I look it up in my dictionary, what it tells me is that someone who is meek is someone who is calm, passive, but not passive in a bad way, but rather meaning that in all situations, they are able to keep a calm demeanor that they are able to be passive in that sense where no matter what is going on around them they are still able to keep the same grounding webster's dictionary for what the definition of meek is says quiet gentle and easily imposed on in other words submissive is kind of what it's saying here mm -hmm. and yeah. an example that they use is i used to call her miss mouse because she was so meek and mild comparing someone to a mouse yeah. so you read that and you're like why would someone who is meek inherit a kingdom you'd think isn't there a part of scripture where it says that only the violent will inherit <laughs> the kingdom of heaven solo los violentos arrebataran so you're like Okay. Well, I, I think we like those scriptures. People like those <laughs> Instead scriptures. Instead of these ones. <laughs> and, these, and it's crazy because it's not that these scriptures are hard to understand. The truth of the matter is it's just hard for us to listen to them. Yes. We, may, we maybe don't like to hear when, when they tell us that blessed are the pure in heart for they will see heart because maybe there's some things in our heart that aren't pure. You know, one of the uh, uh, great theologians said that This, this uh, first message of Jesus is everybody knows 
but it is the least understood and the least obedient. So like you're saying, sometimes, you know, it, it, it's hard. It's extremely hard to break this down. but Even f- to understand. To understand it, and right? And we're going to sit here and wrestle with it for a little bit because I do truly feel that there is a deep, significant importance as to what and to why Jesus was trying to show this. this. And, and I want to take it one step back. I feel like in order for us to understand the posture in Matthew chapter 5, we need to take a little bit of understanding what is it that got Jesus there to that point in the first place. And so when you think of a man, and you think of yourself maybe, right? Maybe you're 20, 21 years old, 22 years old. You just graduated from college, and you're out there on your way, and you're trying to look for a job. You're making a living. You're making a career. Maybe you're 30 years old. You already have your job. You're settled in. You're figured out. You have your degree that you had already for a while. You've been working a good job. You're making six figures. And so you think, man, I've reached the point in my life where I'm pretty well off. But yet here we see that Jesus didn't start his ministry. In other words, he didn't begin his career, his mm. true career assignment. Can we say the vocational? His vocational side of what he was going to do mm. until he was 30 years old. Yeah. We live in a culture today where everyone is so driven on success. Everyone is so like, yes. man, I need, to, I need to have everything now. Some people even are, this might be controversial or not, but they're like, man, I got to wait until I'm 27, 28 years old to have kids. You know, like you think, man, that's the time where Jesus, if he had worked his whole life as a carpenter, because we understand that Jesus was born to a couple who was called Mary and called Joseph. And Joseph's profession by trade was that he was a carpenter. Jesus even at one point is referred to by other humans, but but, sorry, by other humans, because God was also human. Uh, Jesus was also human. Sorry. You see, it's confusing because Jesus is God, but he, but anyways, by other men who knew him, they said, that's the son of the carpenter. Yes. yes that's that, how they labeled That's the, the way they call it. He was not a preacher is no. what I'm trying to tell you guys right here. But why is it that now all of a sudden his posture here, when, when, we, when we hear of this, it's described as the sermon on the mount. And when you think about it, in this case, for me, growing up, the only people who preach sermons are pastors. Mm-hmm. Apostles, bishops, teachers, teachers, these uh, Sunday school teachers, these high level people, right? But yet, who who Jesus is choosing to address his message to are the poor in spirit, the meek, those who are merciful. Kind of a little bit of a of a juxtaposition. You'd think, oh, I figured Jesus would want to talk to people who were like him. But the reality is that Jesus' ministry, and we can use Matthew chapter 4 to draw on this a little bit of clarity as to what we're going to break into here. But I, I speculate that many times throughout our lives, what we've done with, as a church, what we've done maybe even as individuals, is that when Jesus came to earth and he came to be here, it says that John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he sent his one and only begotten son for us but again that word son comes up and in matthew chapter 3 when jesus was baptized when his career was launched the term that was used for him was this is my son in other words i'd I'd say that jesus's ministry his career what he chose to dedicate his life to was not to be a carpenter but his true ministry and his true calling was in the career of sonship 
That was his true career. Jesus carried himself every single day of his life, choosing to say that my job when I wake up every single morning is to be a son of God. Mm. That, that's what he came. That's what he came to model. That's what he came to do. That was his vocation. Yes, we can sit here and theologians might be sit, maybe some theologians might be hearing this saying, what, what's going on? Jesus <laughs> is a fool. He op- operated in all five fold ministries. He was an apostle and evangelist. Right. Yes, yes, right. Yeah. He was. It definitely. But I think that at the core, and again, why, why I was mentioning the fact that this passage of scripture that we just read is repeated twice in the Bible, meaning that to Jesus, this meant something more then when he went and taught the people, hey, those who come into the temple shall not make this a den of thieves, and he came and flipped the tables. This wasn't that kind of moment. No, no, no. no. This was a moment in which Jesus was trying to get common people to understand the message he was carrying, which is the following concept that I want to open up and explore in this following episode for a couple minutes is this what we've been talking about in the previous episodes, the revelation of sonship mm-hmm. yes. and, and, and what that means to us as a Christian living our life today. I, In other words, if this might sound a little bit controversial, but I argue that Jesus himself never strove to be labeled a certain way, nor did he ever seek for a certain title to be given to him because every single time that he asked people, even when he asked his own disciples, who do you say I am? Yes, 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 yes. In boldness, his disciples says up and he said, you are the Christ, the son of God. Jesus always cared more about reminding people about his position, which was being a son. A son, yes. As someone who's walked in ministry for over 20, 25 years, maybe this is a little bit it's a it's a little bit of a challenge for someone like you because you'd think no Jesus was well obviously he was an amazing teacher an amazing pastor an amazing evangelist an amazing apostle that's undeniable but I argue that in this in this time what the spirit is trying to draw us more into is I think that maybe we've created a little bit of a separation because we've chosen to label Jesus in this approach of the mountain and we it's almost as if we're at the bottom of the mountain looking up at him mm-hmm. but the reality is that in this his approach that he's using in Matthew chapter 5 really shows us that he's trying to draw us into something deeper and i think that if we're to make this gap it's the following blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of god this this concept of what it means to be a child of god i don't know if you can add any insight onto what that might mean Versus you've walked, you just mentioned to us 20 years as a preacher of the word of God. But what does it mean for you to be a child of God? You know, one other thing is that, uh, yes, I'm totally uh, agree what you just said, that sometimes we have uh, put Jesus in a standard of, yeah, he was, it was a good teacher. He was uh, the miracle working, you know, man that he was going around. But sometimes we don't see, we don't receive that the message that Jesus was trying to uh, bring across to us, that it is to be a true son of God. Today, my posture is not like, you know, being a pastor, I know everything. No, because before you can be a pastor, 
before you can be a teacher, before you can be whatever, you need to be a good son. Hmm. And sometimes we miss that. I believe that's the way I feel. Sometimes we, we can be a good singer, singers. We can be a good preachers. We can be a good pastors. But sometimes we're not a good sons of God. It's not because we. It's not because we. Maybe we're more care about the title, like you said. Jesus, he was not more, you know, oh, call me, I'm the apostle. No, it was more recognize that I'm a, the son of God in my actions and the way I, I, I talk to you. And I, and I think that's what we're trying to bring and in, it stems, in this episode. And it stems back on this following concept. And I think this is the ultimate driving center point here. And it's the following that Jesus's entire ministry was surrounded around one thing, and that was the following, leading people to the Father. To the Father, yes. Meaning that he was, his goal, his mission, his plan in life for you, for me, for all of us, for the people in that time that he was influencing his generation, and even today, is that he was trying to bring us into the family of God. In other words, trying to bring us into a relationship where Jesus is our brother. Yes. In a relationship in where we share. Maybe you guys were can identify with this if you grew up with your siblings. You and your brothers, whether or not you guys are close or not, but you know each other to a point where no one knows you better than them. Your siblings know you better than anyone. Your parents know you better even more than your siblings do. Why? Because there's a relationship that it has existed within a family that is unique to only a family. You cannot get the same level of trust, the same level of love, the same level of peace, the same level that you can experience at home. Like when you go to a hotel, Ask yourself that simple question. Mm. Does the shower at a hotel feel the same as a shower at home? No. Does the bed at a hotel feel the same as your bed at home? No. Even if you don't have the nicest bed, but having a bed at home, there's the, the phrase out there. It says there's no place like home. And so you might ask yourself, okay, 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 Sam, Robert, cool, cool, cool. Jesus, son of God, I get it. But aren't we talking about the Beatitudes? Yes, we are talking about the Beatitudes. But the reality is that the concept that he's explaining here in the Beatitudes is the following. He's saying blessed. A blessing is something that you receive. Yes. It's, it's a gift. It's something that is given to you that cannot be taken. It is a blessing. That is what a blessing is. So the reason why we're taking the time to draw on this relationship of sonship is because, like I just said, and we've explored this concept before. And even in the last episode where he talked about Esau, remember when Paul mm -hmm. was drawing on Esau? Yeah, yeah. There's this concept known as what is your inheritance. Yes, yes. Right? And so then the question that we're asking ourselves today in this episode here, Matthew chapter 5, what is the big central driving question is what is our inheritance? And that's why we're taking the time to draw on the relationship of Jesus as a son and how he how in this passage we're going to look at our positions as sons because the truth is that you cannot receive an inheritance if you are not a son if you don't have a father we saw it with Moses we saw it with Jacob we saw it with Abraham Moses in this case was a little bit unique we don't know if he had any kids or not but when we were taking our time well, to Moses Moses? Yeah, he had a family. He had a family. Yes, yes. Correct. He had a oh. wife and a, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yes. He had his children. Yes. 
But specifically when we were drawing on the relationship of the three generations, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob yeah. we saw how important mm -hmm. this concept of an inheritance was. It's, it's only can be given by the father when he is about to pass away, when he is about to, you know, it is essentially the full blessing of the house is always given to the son. To the son, yeah. To the son. And so there's no way for us to receive an inheritance if we're not sons. And that might be a hard reality to face. That might be a hard truth. But the reality of Jesus's ministry and every single time what he lived pointing people to was, I am the son of God. There is only one way to the father, and that is through me. Meaning it is through this relationship of sonship. But now, right, let's let's say we've settled the foundation of what 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 God, what Jesus's ministry is trying to reveal to us. Hey, this is why you should be a son. These are the benefits of sonship. And these this is what it looks like to live being a good son. What it means to be someone who, when Jesus was baptized, the father literally opened heaven and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He said, my beloved. My beloved son. My beloved son. Think about right now for a moment just your relationship with your mom or with your dad. How much, you know, maybe you're closer to one versus the other. That's fine. I think it's always like that, you know, as a as a child, as a son or a daughter. You're either closer with your mom or you're closer with your dad. Think about that relationship for a moment. Think about what you wouldn't do for your mom or for your dad as a listener. You. Think about uh, Hermana Rita. What, what you wouldn't do for oh, her. Yeah. Right. Or what I wouldn't do for my mom, yeah. what I wouldn't do for. Right. But now flip the scenario and think about what they would not do for you. Mm. It's way different. Oh, yes. Different. There's been time, totally, there's yeah. been times where I've been like, man, I don't even know what I'm going to have or how I'm going to be able to pay X, Y, Z. And for some reason, my mom all of a sudden just talks to the manager settled things just get done things get handled those are the benefits of being a son now here's the problem if you're a bad son <laughs> you really think now draw on those moments where your parents would hit you where they discipline you where they'd yell at you where they'd be like ah not as much love is felt in those moments but as we were as we reflected last week on hebrews 12 We know that the discipline of God is, is out of yeah. love, whole different concept. Yeah. But here what we're saying is, is that God is trying to extend his home to us. And his home is called the kingdom of God. Here, Matthew chapter five says, blessed are the poor in the spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Meaning that the inheritance that we receive as sons and daughters of God is this inheritance of the kingdom. Mm. But now more so than just the kingdom, it, like as I was mentioning before, it's what you feel when you're at home. Because that, that's totally different. It's different. You can you can live in a, in a mansion with six rooms, with a pool, but you don't feel the present. The love no. of the people that lives inside the house. What they say, right? money can't buy you happiness. No. And it's so interesting that that's how Jesus chooses to start mm. his very first line of ministry, of sermon. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, let's break that down for a second, right? You might be like, hell on a second, bro. I ain't poor. <laughs> I like Jordans. I like to drive a Tesla. I like to drive Ferraris, bro. What you mean? I ain't going to be poor. No, no, no. 
I don't think what Jesus is saying here is poor physically, poor financially. No. Break that down for us. What does it mean to truly be poor in the spirit? You know, in the context of, um, you know, what he was saying, it was that, um, yes, we, we, we said, oh, I'm not poor. But we see it in the, in the material things. What he was referring is that being poor in the spirit is like it be a beggar. But it was spiritually. More so drawing to a posture relating to humility. Yes. It was, it was the spiritually that he was referring that we are to depend right. of somebody that will fulfill what we do not have. That's, 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 that's kind of like the, 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 uh, the, the, he was referring. It was like um, fully dependent of somebody to really live. How many moments have you maybe identified with you're there? I've been in these moments where I'm sitting there and I'm trying to dive into a bottle to try and find some sort of peace and resolve. But the reality is that I'm existing outside of a place where I'll never be able to experience what I'm looking for. In other words, that feeling of home is what everyone can identify with, that, that they might be going through, that they might be feeling it. That, that emptiness manifests in many different ways, many different shapes. For different people, it could be different mm -hmm. things. For some people, they might numb it with alcohol. They might numb it with yes. drugs. They might numb it with sex, with pornography. Or to some people, it might manifest in the complete opposite way. Because they're so lacking, they're the nicest people. All they do is give, 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 give. And then they end up in relationships where they're the ones giving and they're being abused. And they don't know how to deal with abuse because they're living with this whole this emptiness inside, this feeling of dissatisfaction, but they can never really put their finger on it. You know, I don't know if you can identify with, with a struggle like that where you're like, man, why does everything just feel like it's not lining up? Have you had those moments in your life where you're like, man, every single thing I do, I wake up, I'm off. I go to sleep, I'm off. Like maybe not now because you've walked the lifestyle for so many years modeling the certain concepts that we're about to explore, but for our listeners, can they maybe identify with some stuff well, that you've you gone just, through? You just, you just put it really clearly. It's because when you don't have that, you have that necessity. You have the emptiness. Is it then you a don't human have, desire to it, go and fill that need? Because, because we have to remember, we have to understand that we were created by God. That's a matter if if you're okay, not a it, 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 that's a matter if uh, you mm. never uh, became a Christian. Let's say you're born into the church, but that's that doesn't doesn't have to do anything. It is is the reality that we were created by God, and it is through through sin, to a spiritual death, we were disconnected. But we were designed for connection. Yes. Is, so, the, is the point yeah, here. So it doesn't matter if you're Christian, you're not. It doesn't matter. What matters is that we were created to be connected with who? But So what are those moments of disconnect? That's what I'm asking here. Disconnect, what for you? For me, it was like, you just said it, we're trying to fill something with addictions, with different stuff. And you said every day, every day. 
I cannot find it. I cannot receive that what I'm missing for. But what I'm saying here is for the people that are listening there, anybody can identify with this feeling of disconnect. I know you're trying to explain a whole different concept, but anyone at any point has felt this feeling of just things aren't clicking, things aren't making sense, things aren't aligning. Many times you go through life struggling. Sometimes I feel like I don't even know what my purpose is, what I'm supposed to do. And that all stems from this internal fact that from the moment if you choose to believe this, accept it for your heart and really internalize it that you were never designed to live outside of the house that God created mm, for you. In, okay. in other words, that when you were, from the moment that God designed humanity, he built a garden for them to exist in. In other words, modeling what a home or a kingdom were to look like. And so now what Jesus is doing here in the Beatitudes is he's restoring us back to that picture of the garden. He's, he's showing us, though, a new version of it in which, in that context, as Pastor Robert was explaining, sin entered the world. And the reality is that we are all sinners. Yes. And that we are only all saved and redeemed by grace. Grace of who? Grace of this man who came down to earth and chose to pay a price that none of us will ever be able to pay. Yes. He paid it for you and he paid it for me so that the door that was closed when Adam and Eve fell and when God had to put angels at Eden for them to be covered, now it says in Leviticus that Jesus came and the veil was torn, meaning that we were given straight access into the kingdom. The kingdom ultimately for you guys, you guys might think, man, that sounds so weird. It sounds so mystical. The kingdom of heaven. You've probably <laughs> heard it before. If you listen to Bethel, you've definitely heard it a lot. The kingdom of heaven is near, but it's a lot more simpler. It's more referring to this position of a home. The, it, it, I want to get us as our listeners to understand this as we shift it is that Jesus' plan for us here and the fact that it's mentioned not only in Matthew chapter 5 but also Luke is that there's this inheritance designed for only the sons and daughters yeah. of God and that that inheritance is only achieved, that inheritance that is your home, your feeling of completeness, your feeling of fullness. It says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Inheriting the earth referring to possession, referring to that you will be blessed, you will be prospered. Blessed are those who mourn, meaning blessed are those who allow themselves to feel emotions, for they will be comforted, right? It says blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Feel. That same feeling that we're talking about of emptiness, here Jesus is drawing us into this concept mm. that if you are able to live a lifestyle of a son, a son who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, a son who is meek, a son who is poor in the spirit, a son who is a peacemaker. In other words, you can change anytime it says blessed are, blessed are, you can change that for we are, we are, we are blessed, we are this, we are that, when you choose to enter into this covenant of sonship, mm. when you choose to allow yourself to be, in other words, categorized under the family of heaven, when you allow yourself to walk in these concepts and in these mindsets of, it says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely slay all kinds of evils against you because of me 
rejoice and be glad. It's talking about these mindsets that oftentimes so many we go through life. How many times do we go through things where we're just like, man, I don't even know why this is happening to me. Why am I stuck in traffic right now? Man, I should be doing something else. Or you're at work and you've been grinding for seven hours and you have one hour left in your shift and you're like, bro, this is the most boring thing I've ever lived. And you wonder, why is it that I'm going through life not experiencing the fullness of what it was meant for me to live it? It's probably because you're not allowing yourself to live in an alignment with what God has meant for you, with what God has designed for you. And that's not a good or a bad thing. Like, don't don't get it misunderstood because when the disciples, the same 12 people who spent the most time with Jesus, they didn't even get it. No. They spent three years with the guy. They spent three years with him listening to this sermon countless times. Seeing him in action. Matthew was the one who wrote it, but then even Luke wrote it. So you think Matthew and Luke, two people who could be the most completely opposite. Matthew was a tax collector. Luke was a physician. Yeah, a physician, yes. So you're talking about a doctor and an accountant, Uh but yet they chose to write the same thing. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about a tech entrepreneur who makes six figures, who is a computer scientist, or the guy who works at McDonald's. It's a universal message. Yes, yes. To the point where the Sermon on the Mount it was preached on the mountain, but it was also the sermon on the plain. Mm-hmm. Mean that it was Jesus chose to preach it at the highest point, but he also chose to preach it at the lowest point. And the question that we're asking today is why? Why do why why would he choose to emphasize on this relationship? And I think that there's a little bit of value if we go one step deeper here into the waves when the disciples are surrounding Jesus. Just it's the most int- one of the most intimate moments that Jesus has. Anytime we see him interacting with his disciples, um, it's a model for leadership. It's a model for modern day leadership and how you multiply effect. Just this week, we were explaining this concept of how you multiply leaders to be more effective. Remember that with there was one Jesus, one leader, but then he had his three: John, James, James, and Peter, and Peter. And then from the three, he had the 12. Yes. From the 12, they shifted in the church of Acts to the 72. 72, yes. And then from 72, the expansion of the kingdom onward to the point where we are today. So you see this outward expansion of the model, but then those same 12 come come to the one. And they ask him, hey, can you teach us how? It is that we're going to achieve the results that you want us to achieve. Because the reality is that you're talking a lot. And here, many times you might go to church and you might find yourself struggling with that same concept. Man, the preacher just sat there and preached the crazy message. <laughs> that I, I feel like that's just a little bit too much out of my comfort zone. Like yeah. that, That's just, he said I need a tithe. I don't know if that's yeah, for me. Yeah, or yeah. or he said, I need to stop drinking. I don't know. I don't know if that's for I've me. I've been many times like that. I felt that. I felt that where I'm looking at the preacher and I'm just like. Too that's, high. That's good for you, bro. But Not me. That, that shoe don't fit me. Yeah. But the reality is that the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him, yo, can you please teach us what it is that we need to do in order to execute this? In other words, Jesus was instructing them on this concept. He said to pray without ceasing. Mm-hmm. That's the key to pray without. Why? Because prayer is the one direct way that you communicate with God. There's two ways to communicate with God. It says that it's through reading the word of God or through prayer. That That's essentially how you spend time 
at home. You want to know how that's essentially what the disciples were asking him. Hey, Jesus, can you teach us how to be like you? Can you teach us how to be in the state that you're always in? Can you teach us how it is that when the storms are crashing on us, you can be just taking a nap and chilling? Jesus was totally different. It was <laughs> Can you imagine in the middle of a storm, sleeping in a boat? How many Telling times? Why y'all waking me up? How many times have you been? Uh, have you experienced that? Like you're going through a lot of problems, and somebody said, "Hey, relax, chill out." <laughs> and you know what was the secret to that? What he's what he taught them in in this case the um, the prayer of the yeah. our Father, saying mm. when the disciples asked him, "So yeah. then, teach us how to pray." Because he told them that's the key. If you want to, if you want to press forward and see the results that I do, if you want to see what I see, if you want to see the glory of God, pray without ceasing. You might be sitting there in your life saying, "Man, I I need to experience that. I need to experience peace. I need to experience what it says here. Um, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Because I just lost my family member, and I need to experience comfort. Or maybe I just lost my home." because I lost my job in COVID and I need to be comforted. Or maybe you're that same person who finds himself struggling to be identified as a peacemaker because you're so angry, because you're so frustrated. And sometimes you're just like, bro, like, why am I so angry? Why am I so frustrated? Maybe you're struggling to find that internal peace. Jesus gives them the recipe. He says, pray, our Father that art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is here in heaven. In other words, again, Jesus says that the cheat code to living a life in which you experience joy, peace, and righteousness, and righteousness is to exist within the kingdom. Yeah, because even Paul said that the kingdom of God, it was not about food and drinking. It was about joy, peace, righteousness, and the Holy Spirit, the life the spiritual life. And and that's what we're here to share with you guys that, that Jesus was trying to share with the people receiving the Sermon at the Mount, with the disciples, with uh, Zach, Zacchaeus when he was on the tree, with Nicodemus when he was having the conversation. It was the central driving force of Jesus, which is, I am the Son of God, and I do what the Father tells me to do, which is what? To operate within the kingdom. And, and so... When right now, as we're explaining, many times I think that the church does a really good job of making this concept of the kingdom so complicated. So, and, a lot, yeah. And so, like, mystical and like, oh, whoa, the kingdom of heaven, hallelujah. You get it, people praying in tongues and all that sort and, of and, stuff. And, and I think, you know, I think during uh, Jesus' time, that's what people, you know, thought about it when he was that talking about. That is what about, they thought. Yeah, when the, he was talking about the kingdom. He said, whoa, this guy's talking about kingdom, but look, at we have the Roman Empire right. oppressing us. It was like, that was... It's the, impossible to see the kingdom it, it, when you're surrounded yes, by your forces. That's why Jesus direct their attention to what? To be sons of God. Because he knew. And sometimes that's that's the mentality. And you just said it clearly. You know, sometimes the church, you know, we put it so mystical, the kingdom. But I, I like the way you put it. It's a house. It's a house that there's one price to entry, and that's how you choose to live 
your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is where, you know, you guys might be like, oh, time to turn off the podcast, time to check out. But hear us out for a second because Jesus, every single time that he p- started the sentence, he talks about being poor in the spirit. He talks about being meek. He talks about being merciful. He talks about being pure in the heart. He talks about being a peacemaker. He talks about being persecuted. Being insulted. Talks about people insulting you. He talks about people doing evil Mm -hmm. against you. And the reality is you might hear that and be like, that ain't for me, bro. I have enough of that. Yeah. I have enough people insulting me. I have enough people making fun of me. I have enough people making me feel weak. I have enough people making me feel like I'm meek, that I'm just a little mouse to be stepped on. That I'm poor. That I'm poor, that I'm just angry, that there's no way that I'll ever be a peacemaker, that, oh, I'm too vengeful. I don't show mercy. I don't show compassion. That might be what the world is trying to label you today. Yes. That might be it. But guess what? Here, Jesus is saying this. He's not saying, you have to be. You need to do this. This is what I want from you. That's not his posture. He's not coming at you with a whip. He is choosing to choose the language. And and almost like what I was explaining off podcast with my co-host here is that the language he's using is he says are the, mm-hmm. are those, they, they, they will, they will. In other words, Jesus is a third party here because he's saying I want you to stand next to me and see those people, see their lifestyle, see how they choose to live. In other words, Jesus is standing right next to you and sharing these concepts with you. When you read the Beatitudes, when you read Las Bienaventuranzas, it's not to tell you, man, look at how far away you are from achieving that concept. No, it's simply Jesus saying, hey, let's take a moment, sit together, and let's look at what they're doing. Because of their lifestyle, this is what they inherit. Because they do that, they get this. And he closes it saying, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. In other words, he's trying to get us to stand next to him for a second and see that we are called to the same inheritance. We are the same reward that is given to him which is the kingdom of heaven. Mm, It's currently says in the scriptures that Jesus is at the right hand of the father interceding. When he left the disciples, when he left the people that he spent the most time with, he told them, I'm leaving to go and build you your home. I was going to mention that, that, that he went, he promised them. He promised the 12 and said, I am going and building houses, preparing the house for you. Even Jesus himself wow. chose to cho- swap the word kingdom out because he was like, man, I've been telling them kingdom, but they don't get it. They don't understand it. And maybe that's fine. You, we don't need, if that's not the word that works for you today, that's fine because Jesus is extending an invitation into his home for you. In, in Espanol, says the la morada. It's a place. Dwelling place. Yes, it's a place. Yeah. It's, it's the abode uh-huh. is what it would be in English. He's preparing his estate. He's earlier we were talking about having giant mansions and having a big house and feeling no joy. Mm-hmm. Here Jesus is promising that in the kingdom there are all these things that, that like as you mentioned, Paul reflects it's not 
this giant mystical feeling that you see coming yep. down from the clouds or when you read in Revelation, in the book of Revelation, and it talks about the streets of gold and the seas of crystal. Maybe perhaps what Jesus was getting us to understand is that those crystal seas are your peace that those streets of gold are your inheritance it's your grandchildren it's them serving god it's them living a life that is honoring what you lived it's them honoring mm. you it's them respecting you maybe wow. for too many years we've thought that the kingdom of heaven is this mystical concept and we've been missing out on the invitation that god is giving us today that jesus is giving us today which is saying all you need to do is become a son yeah. like me because I'm the son. I am a son of God. Therefore, I can tell you what it means to be a son I'm of God. I'm your big brother. I'm your big bro. We can do it. We're I'm part of the family. Bro. Yes. Let's go. Hey, let's go hang out. Let's go chill. Think about that. Maybe you have had older siblings or you haven't, but at least someone in your life who you looked up to. Last week on the episode, we were talking about someone who is literally the author Ooh, and yes. the perfecter of our faith. Someone who has their best will and their best desires in mind for you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says that, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And those plans are the same plans that existed at the beginning of time. Yes. From when, the when, when he created the garden, mm -hmm. he designed us to live in communion with God. It's a concept that we've explained, but more so not just a communion in a relationship of a king to its subjugates. It's a relationship of a son to a father, an intimate relationship. And the question that you got to ask yourself today is, am I willing to enter into the adopted family that Jesus has extended for me? Mm -hmm. Can I allow myself to be a brother and a sister in the faith? And what does it really look like for my life to reflect that? What does it look like for me to walk in meekness? What does it look like for me to walk in this posture where I am merciful to others, where I can extend mercy? What does it look like for me to be a peacemaker? What does it look like for me to when I am being insulted, to when I am being rejected by the world? For me to, instead of turn back with an insult myself, mm -hmm. for me to turn back with the rejection of my own self, trying to seek revenge, instead understanding the principle in understanding that there is an inheritance that is saved directly for you, that is saved directly for me. And that inheritance is the kingdom of heaven. So the question today that you need to ask yourself is, will you rejoice and be glad? Instead of focusing more on when people left you on red and when you're reading your messages and they've ignored you and you feel like the world and you go through your day-to-day -day life and you feel like life is leaving you on red and you feel like you're pushing so hard, you're trying so hard, you're reaching out, you're putting in your resumes and you're submitting applications for jobs, you're going and you're applying for apartments and for houses, you're going and you're trying to be in relationships, you're going and you're trying to read your Bible and you're not feeling this success that you want to feel. And you think, why am I being left on red? Why am I being ignored? Why am I feeling this dissatisfaction, this anxiety? I hate being left on red, personally. It's a concept that I had to explain to 
my co-host here because he leaves me on red a lot oftentimes and it doesn't feel good you guys know what i'm talking about it's this feeling of being left hanging especially when you're using the text right you, that's the way you In text message me. on iMessage yeah. you know you you get left on red mm -hmm. but how many times do you go through life feeling like people are just leaving you on red and you're not being acknowledged yep you can turn to the red because here the red text the words that Jesus is speaking to you, they're true yesterday, today, yeah, and, tomorrow. and tomorrow. You'll never be left on red when you choose to stay in the red. When you choose to allow the inheritance of God to be your inheritance. When you allow the kingdom, which as we described is more than food and water, but is joy, peace, and righteousness, and the life of the Holy Spirit. When you allow that mindset to start to flood your mind, You'd be surprised as how you start to see things open, as how you start to see things change. Someone like yourself can attest to walking for over 20 years, living a kingdom lifestyle. What, what, what could you say if you could summarize in one word the truth of the kingdom of God for you? What does that look like? What does that mean? What does joy, peace, and righteousness mean on a day-to-day -day level for Pastor Robert today? I will, I, will, I will describe it as Jesus started, bless are those. If you want to be a blessed life, this is the way. It's not about material things. It's about really enjoying the inheritance, enjoying the companion of a big brother that he assures me that we're going to go to a different place. That's a daily life. Mm. I have my big brother next to me. Yeah. That no matter what happens, he's going to take me because he has promised me to be. That's for me. Like, like, it's like every day. It's just simple like that. And also have that relationship with my Heavenly Father. That, I guess that's the most important thing. Because, that's beautiful. Because when, I, when I'm able... To have my big brother with that relationship, with that companion through the person of the Holy Spirit, guess what he's going to teach me? To be a good son. I might fail. huh? I might do some mistake, but I have a brother. They'll say, hey, this is the way. Right. This is the way. You know, come on, let's do it. As Why? Because the love of the father doesn't change. And as someone who is fresher and newer to the faith, I draw inspiration on knowing that that invitation is constantly being mm. extended to me. Yeah. That every single day, no, if I reach out to him, he's not going to leave me on red. He'll meet me right here in the red. That this extension of knowing that those who hunger and thirst... Because we all go through life hungry. We all go through life thirsty. Hungry for love. Hungry for acceptance. Come hungry on. for approval. Yes, come on. Come on. Go ahead. Thirsty for love. Yes. Thirsty for assets. Mm -hmm. Thirsty for finances, for money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we go through it. But I'm assured in knowing that if I hunger and I thirst for one thing, which is righteousness, then I'll be filled that I can live my life knowing that all the emptiness, all those things, those things that I hunger and I thirst for as a man, 
as a woman those desires, that they will all be met if I simply seek righteousness. And like you're saying, that doesn't mean that I have it all figured out right nope. here, right now. But what Jesus is saying is simply come stand next to us. Come be in the kingdom. Allow yourself to come home and chill at home. Hang out with us here because that's what we want. Because when they talk about righteousness, it's about the right standing before God. Yeah. It's what he did. It's what he did. That's it. It's what is extended to us today yes. is what the price that was paid. That mm. that price is already paid, guys. The bill is paid. It was a huge price, huh? He paid a big price yes. plus tip. So it's only right for us to sit there and enjoy the meal. If the table has been set, why are we still eating the crumbs when there's food at the table for us to dive yes, into? Yes, yes, yes. We'll leave you guys with that reflection this week. It's a little deep. It's a little heavy. But, man, we're starting off episode 26 because we're going into the final end of our little series. We're going to be pushing a little bit back on, on us, guys, because feel free to question. Feel free to challenge. Feel free to, if you guys have thoughts and opinions on this, share them with us because it's, a, it's something that is, it is hard to accept. But I truly believe, and this is our desire and our prayer, that if somehow, some way, we can experience just a sliver of the kingdom of heaven here on earth, everything else just is worth it. All the pain, all the sacrifice, all the hustling, all the tears, all the sorrow. If you can experience just a sliver of heaven on earth, as what so many people talk about, man, yes. I want to experience heaven on earth. <laughs> yes, yes. It's open. It the is. invitation is there, and it's available it for is. us. So we say what well, we say every single week to you guys, man. Manténganse en la ola. Y'all stay real wavy this week because it's in the middle of the waves that I think we can experience the kingdom. Because Jesus was asleep, and he went, and he told the storm, Hey, let me go back to sleep, bro. Be quiet. It's not time for you to come and wake me up yet. So you can find peace this week in the waves, yes. knowing that it's not time for them to take you out, nor will it ever be time for them to take you out. So you guys stay wavy. We love you guys. And yeah, stay blessed. Bendiciones. Peace.